Welcome back to the Price Well Podcast. We are in Secaucus, New Jersey for the Vitamin Shop Wellness Summit. We just wrapped up a day of some really cool seminars today. Or I guess seminar panels. Definitely a good day. So, yeah, so awesome. So thank you guys for joining me. I have, of course, Jack Gaten. Uh, remind me of your specific, you, I know you just got recently had a promotion. What's your title at Vitamin Shop? Um, Divisional Vice President of uh, Merchandising. Very cool. And of course, Aaron Heidebreck, uh, CCO, CRO of Cage. Cage. Great to be here. Just caged. Just <laughs> caged. <laughs> cool. Uh, I'm super excited about this podcast. Um, I had We really didn't plan very much for it, which is my favorite part of this, because when we sat down, we started talking about merchandising. Mm-hmm. And so when people hear... Um, you know, your titles, it might, I might call it a little complicated or for, for people who are not into the world of category management and buying, they might not have really any clue of what you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to start off with just kind of like a background on what you do at Vitamin Shop when you got here and, and how you got sure. here. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yes, it, we refer to it as it, it can either be a merchant, a buyer, a category manager. It's really all the same thing. So it's a team of people that are really connected to the marketplace. And it's their job to to meet with brands, vendors, you know, work with their own private brands, and select the products that go on the shelves at the stores or online. Um, and it, you know, a merchant can be you know any store, any retailer, or even any e-com at this point has a merchant team. Um, usually, it's like you know the people that are selecting the products. So um, I've been doing that now um, over 20 years. You know, between planning and now merchandising and, and various retailers. Um, so definitely been in the merchant world for a while. So one of my favorite parts about talking with you specifically, Jack, is just these relationships that you build with vendors. Um, you know, in our space, you know, we get really like in this like echo chamber of sports nutrition, you know, where like it's all the same people, the same formulas at the end of the day, it, it gets kind of boring. And then I talk with you and you talk about like prime something that is not in my wheelhouse, right. but like I have a, a great immense amount of respect for um, that you got into vitamin shop and it obviously has driven a lot of like foot traffic. So um, I'd love to talk about, you know, like trends that you see on a day-to-day basis because you obviously see things from a different uh, lens. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, for the last couple of years, I've been primarily focused on sports. Um, so like the, you know, powders, pre-workouts, all the energy drinks, all the stuff that you talk about on a regular basis. Um, but we have a whole other side of the business with the vitamin shop. Um, so, you know, the VMS business has been a really a wild ride. Um, and I've kind of gotten into it this last year in my new role where I'm over both sides of the house. Um, so I get to see it from a little bit of a different perspective where it's not just that, that group of people that are focused on, you know, pre-workouts and creatine, things like that. But you start to expand it out more into, I'd say more of the general public where you're focused on things like greens and probiotics and vitamins and minerals and supplements. And, you know, we're still navigating kind of the, the, you know, what the fallout from COVID, right. Where it's like, you saw this wild spike. Um, you know, I was, I was managing the sports business in 2020. That wasn't, I wasn't having a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, gyms are closed. Nobody needs 300 milligrams of pre-workout. Yeah. Um, but the, we call it the D one side of the house, the VMS side of the house was on fire. Yeah. Um, you know, zinc and magnesium and elderberry and things like that. Um, so it's kind of cool now to be on kind of both sides and, and kind of manage it. But, you know, going back to the question about a merchant is it, in most cases, it, it, it shouldn't really matter. Like you should be able to kind of take the principles of finding great products, great brands, building good relationships, and you should really be able to apply that to just about anywhere, mm-hmm. right? So whether you're doing vitamins or pre-workout or toys or whatever it was, um, you know, you're really kind of, you're, you're kind of following those same principles. 
I would even say that things have even changed. Um, you mentioned to me that you started in 2019. Pre-2019, there, there was some social media, there were forums and, and, and message boards, but there wasn't a lot of like demand driven by online influencers. It was kind of growing at yeah. that point. Um, it feels to me like for a long time, I saw category managers as the people who kind of had the keys to the trends, mm -hmm. right? Um, you were in toys previously and, and, and kind of like what you wanted to put on the shelf kind of dictated what people were exactly. going to buy. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, I don't want this to sound negative, but do you feel like some things have become reactive in category management because you're seeing trends? Uh, I would, yeah, I would say it's, it's definitely a little bit reactive. And sometimes the trends happen so fast, like something like Berberine, where it's like re the reality is you're going to chase it for a while before you can get a hold of it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, to your point in the past, it was the traditional relationship with a merchant and a, the vendor community was, it was all about that meeting with the buyer, mm -hmm. right? And, and whether or not you got on the shelf kind of dictated what kind of year you were going to have. And now it's it's a little bit of a different game because of D2C, where brands can really make a name for themselves and some brands can become super successful without even stepping foot in retail. Um, so you have to kind of change your, your dynamic in the way that you work with the vendors and the community and the customers, you know, and you pivot based on just the reality, right? Yeah. Retail is still, look, we're a consumer economy. I, I mean, I think retailers, we're going we're gonna to be here. It's always going to have that, that room. And now it's like, well, how do we become that, that arm or that avenue for a, a D2C brand where it's like they can get accessibility by being on the shelf? Yeah. And we're really trying to lean in on that. Um, I, I find it really important to, to work closely with the D2C brands. And in some cases, it's like you're nurturing them a little bit too. Or they may be super hot, but they have no idea how to operate for retail. So it's like you're you're doing a little bit of handholding at times too. Um, but it, it's definitely, you know, to your point, it's it's not the same as it used to be. It's like we're the merchants nowadays are spending more time scouring the market and searching for trying to find that diamond in a rough than just letting things come to them. Like a yeah. good merchants out there. Someone said today that uh, the issues with vitamin shop uh, like holding D2C heavy brands is like D2C culture with drop culture and hype it's a great thing if you sell out because that yeah. drives demand. But if you sell out at vitamin shop, that's not great because yeah. vitamin shop, like you were saying is it's about availability. Yeah. When people come into a store looking for something, they want to be able to get it. Yeah. I, I have someone actually said it. It was, I, I, yeah. I was, yeah. I was, it was yeah. someone intelligent. For it sure. was Jack. And I'm pretty yeah. sure he was staring at me at one point in time. <laughs> yeah. Cause we've had, you know, there's been times where I've gone to the shelf and caged is just not there. Um, no, in all seriousness, it's, it is like in those initial conversations with a brand, it, you know, they'll, it's like it's a pride point to be like we sold out in a day and a half and it's like great well that would be an epic disaster if that happens here yeah right um because the customer's not coming in always on day one it's like you have to, you're open 365 days a year right so you have to always be there for the customer and it's it's such a huge investment for that customer to be to find the product decide i'm going to go to the vitamin shop because they say they have it or the brand says they have it drive to that store if you don't find it or it's not what you were expecting, now you have a whole new problem. I have a problem in trying to repair that relationship with the customer. The brand may have the problem too. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things where it's like, if you're really gonna get into retail, you have to think about that and make sure you're, you're geared up and you're ready to have that stable supply chain of product. Now you're always gonna have outs and there's always gonna be super hot product that you can't keep. I mean, Prime is a great example, like just can't keep it in stock. Um, that's the reality. But 
the day-to-day business, you should try to have like a, as much of a stable supply chain as you possibly can. Does that sometimes come down to forecasting? It does. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not always going to be, you're never going to nail it a hundred percent. You want to, you're trying to be within a certain range. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times on new launches, look, a, a merchant, I, I still have this, some stories from back in the day where I, I swung and missed. And, and back then it was like when I was doing toys, it was like you were buying imports. Um, you know, and it was like, if you miss, it's like, all right, well, it's going to be a long season. Cause you're going to hear about that for the next you know six months. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit different here, but you can still, you can still overshoot and you can still undershoot. Um, and then it's all about a good, a good merchant will know how to react to that and either chase a product up or find a way out of it. Yeah, I can, I mean, I can give you the, the brand view of that because I've been on this side of it and, uh, I've been on the side of where it's, it's good and it's bad, but like cage is a great example. Cage started as a digital first business, uh, very strong D to C healthy Amazon business. Retail is just vitamin shop and vitamin shop is our largest and most important retailer. However, uh, when I joined nine months ago, we weren't really retail ready in the sense of like how much we were trying to offer and how much we wanted to partner. I think we had the right intentions, but we didn't have the operational effectiveness to meet supply and demand and fulfill orders at the capacity that they could have. So to your point, you probably did walk shelves many a time. Yeah. I walked shelves many a time and didn't see the product where it should be. And that was a point of contention. And uh, one of the things Jack and I even discussed when I joined was like, getting the brand operational uh, operationally ready for that so we've done we've done a lot of things on our end to get to that point to where our fill rates are uh much improved they're not perfect by any means but they're far greater than where they were um but we have a we've almost completely reverse engineered our supply chain to fit the retail side of the business and so you you look at digital first brands and what they can do whether it's an influencer uh whether it's a digital media strategy a paid media strategy or simply just taking a community of you know um you know digital digital influencers and 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 uh, you know folks that are aware and moving them into retail all that's great but if you can't fulfill the order long term you probably won't sustain on the shelf Mm -hmm. and so like you know i i only say that as a as, as as somebody who's been on the brand side for a couple different brands, but Cage is a great example of a brand that's been a little bit up and down in that same sense. Um, but we have a, a great partnership with Vitamin Shop, um, but we have to work really hard at it every day because, uh, again, the, the original organization wasn't set up that way. So, okay, so our, our, we have v, uh, viewers and listeners of like a lot of different you know, um, expertise uh, levels in our industry. So we might have people who are in the industry excited to kind of learn more about like more granular stuff, but bring it back, uh, for people who want to understand how this works a little bit better, or maybe, uh, growing brands who are interested in talking to vitamin shop, uh, cage is sticking around tomorrow to have a conversation with vitamin shop about the next, the rest of the year, the next year. Um, from both sides, like, what do you expect to hear from a brand coming in? What, what are like things that you value if they're trying to get on the shelf or increase their shelf presence? I, I think it's, they need to make sure that like, they're obviously creating demand, right? Because it's like, look, I, I'm, I'm always like, my most favorite thing is to find that, that unicorn, that diamond in the rough and grow it. But the reality is in a lot of cases, like we kind of need a little bit of proof of concept that you're on the right track. You've built a following, you have, you're, you have engaged customers um, and you know, there's, there's a demand for the product. And then also, you know, I, I talked about it a little bit today too, is like knowing who you are as a brand, I think is really important. I do think that there's a lot of brands that, you know, whether they, they either are constantly reinventing themselves or they're, they're trying to just be like a little bit of everything for everybody. And some brands can do that that are more established, but I think 
it's like you're you're never going to be a master of anything if you're like that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's like who who are you? Who's your who's your core customer? What do you stand for? Because in, and it always kind of goes back to especially on the sports side. I always talk about like the t-shirt brands. Mm-hmm. Like, is it are, are you a brand that is like where your customers are going to be proud enough of that brand to wear a t-shirt to the gym? And yeah. I always talk to my the merchants on my team too. It's like a, a, whether or not they're a t-shirt brand, yeah. right? Um, and and I think that's a big part of it. And then, and then obviously it's like, once you feel like you have that is then it's like, okay, well now do I have the infrastructure? Do I have the supply? Do I have reliable co-manufacturers that are going to be able to produce my product on a consistent basis? Right. Um, but the first thing comes to is like, what's your, what's your DNA? What's your identity? I think something that you kind of said before, um, which kind of drew a line in the sand of how things might have changed is you mentioned once you got on the shelf, you knew what kind of year you, you were going to have. Like that mm-hmm. was like getting on the shelf was uh, important because then the sales reps were going to be able to sell the product. Mm-hmm. But it seems like in today's day and age, you have to, it's a two-way street. You have to be able to offer value to that retailer that you're going to drive demand, drive maybe foot traffic or, or yeah. have buyers coming in. Yeah, especially for a, a new brand coming into this space. Like the established brands, like we know we have a track record. We kind of know what to expect. And so there's going to be, we'll edit the assortment based on stuff that's not performing. We'll bring in new stuff. We'll lean in, we'll pull back. It's like, you know, it's almost like a supply and demand. But for a new brand, it is a little bit of kind of, you have to kind of prove it a little bit. Mm-hmm. We have to know that there's something there before we're going to put it out there. Because the real estate is is valuable. Like, I don't have infinite space in the stores. Yeah. You know, I, I would love to give everybody a shot and try things. Um, but it's costly to, to bring something in and, and it, it doesn't it doesn't work out the way you expected it to, right? Yeah. So there's there's a risk and reward for everything. And we're, like, I always tell the team too, like, and I think the same thing, is like, if you are not if you don't make a mistake once in a while, you're not trying hard enough, right? So we're going to try some things and some things will work and some things won't work. Um, and that's why you also want to make sure you're building good relationships with the, the vendor so you can have those conversations. You got anything to add from, from brand side on terms of, uh, without yeah. giving away your meeting tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, with obviously with your track record here. So for, for us, I mean, we are an established brand. Cage has been in Vitamin Shop going on five years. We're top five brand and we're growing, um, which is fantastic. So there's a lot of like good narratives there. But I think the big thing for a brand that's been around for a few years is one, are you still growing? Mm-hmm. Which we have that story, so that's great. But two, like, what are we going to do that's different, that's going to excite the retailer and the consumers that have been shopping for years? So, like, differentiation is key. Partnerships are super important. And I think, too, how we target and how we use media to uh, drive our community forward is a big part of, like, one, just the cage DNA and how we think of ourselves. But then, two, for us to really be an innovative brand and be a, you know, retail-forward brand, like, that's where it kind of has to start. And for us, it's always been starting at Vitamin Shop, like, making sure that Vitamin Shop has the best assortment and the most broad, but, like, kind of a one-stop shop for everything, whether it's our muscle-building powders, whether it's our weight loss formulas or our fit lifestyle. Like, Vitamin Shop is a real destination for Cage, and, like, we're super thankful for that. I think what we are aiming to do in every meeting is one, drive transparency around our strategy, but two, hopefully gain buy-in on some of those like potential risks that we want to go after. Just like he was saying, like, we're going to swing and miss too. And not everything we're going to do is going to be a home run. So tomorrow is a great example. We'll have four or five big things that no one's ever seen that would be industry first. And hopefully they, you know, want to lean in with two or three of those. Um, That's the goal. We'd love for them to take all of them. We don't know if that'll happen, but 
because we're in that, um, that song and dance of like, okay, we're established, we have SKUs that are performing well, and we have SKUs that aren't. Right. And so we review that at every meeting, and they'll, you know, Vitamin Shop always shoots us straight to say like, hey, here's a list of potential deletes, how can we make it more productive? Uh, and if not, then they're gonna go find the brands that will be more productive in those categories. That's just the way it is, it's super cutthroat. Yeah. You know, we meet with them tomorrow, the next big brand's coming in the next day, we know that. So, we, we, so to that point, we have to offer uh, real value for them at the end of the day. So just maybe like to talk about like what what are things that you might do to make a productive relationship for Vitamin Shop? Would that be like geo-targeted ads or better promos or, um, you know, type things like that? So, I, I mean, all, all those things matter. I think, you know, um, marketing spend matters. Like that bucket of how much we want to put into the retailer side matters. Ultimately, if we're to say what are the big things that are going to like change the trajectory of the business, it's taking um, – industry first collaborations and partnerships and providing that to is a retail experience only to vitamin shop and to me that's where like the rubber meets the road of like finding our best and most productive SKUs and putting our money there and that would come from those types of forms and those types of spends um but we live in this like society of you know um we heard it today what was like there's a lot of leading authorities there's a lot of industry know-it-alls out there we actually want to lean in with some of the best and some that drive real voice, like real share of voice. And so I think um, the way that we're thinking about it is unique in that sense where we can actually put tangible partnerships together that are industry first. And hopefully what it'll do is not just give you an awesome product, but actually make other brands think differently. Like our goal is to actually make other brands like move in that direction because it's better like to in our in our opinion like that is a movement that is worth it for the industry all boats rising yeah 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 um no i think it's important and look that's as a specialty retailer it's important for us to be out front like that's very important for us is differentiation yeah yeah we have promotions we have markdowns we have things that come in and go but at the end of the day I, vitamin shop we want to be known for having the most innovative products and brands and finding them first at Vitamin Shop, like that's that's critically important. It's like lifeblood for specialty. So, you know, things like like Aaron's talking about. He won't tell me everything. Kind of that that's coming, but it's like those things that are going to cause like a level of excitement with the customer to to drive foot traffic. And then from there, like we rely on our you know our pillars and quality, expertise, innovation, and then our our health enthusiasts because that's like that's what makes the Vitamin Shop like that's what makes it right. It's like I, I feel like I have a very good team of merchants, but our lifeblood is really, it's, it's innovation specialty, but it's also those health enthusiasts in the stores. Yeah. Um, and we have brands, brands always come in and tell us the same thing. It's like, that's one of the reasons that they want to work with us, right? Is because they go into a, a vitamin shop and they know there's going to be a knowledgeable health enthusiast who's going to listen to them based on what they want, right? And, it's, and that, that's what's going to drive the conversation. So I think having all of those elements is like what really makes us successful. I wanted to ask you, like, in your job, how often you consider the workforce that you have for selling this, because you're obviously you have to give them the best tools. Right. But uh, I, I totally agree with you as an as an ex health enthusiast. Like, I asked. I remember during my interview, like, seven different ways. Like, what's the selling culture? What are the KPIs? Like, what are you know? Are there Biffs, like how does this work? Yeah. And it's like, no, you service the customer, yeah. you give them the best experience, and they'll come back for more if that's yeah. true. No, a hundred percent. I mean, look, what our our private brands, like any other retailer, is is critically important. I feel like we have great private brands. Um, you know, whether it's Body Tech, Plant, B Thrive, all those brands, we think we have very good quality uh, options for our customers. But at the end of the day, it's the customer that's going to decide what they want, and we're going to provide those options. 
Um, we don't do, there's no, you know, we don't do spiffs, we don't do sales contests, we don't do things like that because we want it to be a comfortable shopping experience when you come into the store. We, you know, it's like, uh, uh, I'll be honest, I'll go to other retailers at times and it's like, you don't, you don't want to walk in because you know you're going to get accosted by somebody. And you're like, listen, I just want to look around and find something, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that our health enthusiasts are comfortable giving the best solutions for the customer based on what they need. Mm-hmm. I, I- one of my favorite things about the way that your stores are set up is uh, there's no like uh, scary back sports nutrition area. Like it's very wide open and spread. And I remember when I worked there, I learned just as much about homeopathy mm-hmm. as I did like protein. You yeah. Know, like there was a very like holistic approach. Yeah. Um, and I felt like that lended to the type of consumers that come into vitamin shops um, because th- they are going in for a liquid omega, you know? Or, yeah. You know. I mean, even for me, it's like obviously I, my. You know, my background was never sports nutrition prior to this, but like being from 2019 till you know just last year, I was focused solely on sports. Over the last year, I've, I'm starting to learn a lot more about that side of the house, um, and it's I. That's why fit lifestyle is so important for us because it's about it's it's a holistic approach. It's not just about your workout or you taking your 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 creatine, your pre workout. It's like making sure you have proper digestion. Are you hydrated properly? Right? Are your joints hurting? Do you need something for your joints? Um, so we're trying to do that, but we also realized that since COVID over the last couple of years, we've seen really a seismic shift in our business where we're the vitamin shop, right? And we used to be 55% plus VMS, like vitamins, minerals, and supplements, and then like 45% sports. It's completely flipped now. We sell more sports nutrition products between energy drinks, protein, pre-workout, creatine, all that stuff than we do vitamins, minerals, and supplements. Um, so that's our customer telling us something. So we have to listen. So, you know, we're trying to make it so that when you come into the stores, that's part of the reason for Fit Lifestyle being placed where it is, is, and that's why we're changing some of the ways that we go to market with terms of our off shelves and everything. It's like, we're putting sports a little bit more upfront, um, but at the same time, it is a holistic approach where if you need fish oil or if you need anything else like that, we're your go-to. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have felt definitely a difference in the market where, you know, we have uh, older folk that are maybe doing CrossFit or finding other ways to get into like moving their bodies. Mm-hmm. And I, you brought up Hooverman does a great job of explaining like movement is very important for humans of all ages. Uh, but something that you said that I really liked was the um, like the holistic nature of the offering of cage at, at uh, Vitamin Shop. Like you have your probiotics, your fish oils, like like, like the whole stack of things. Um, you actually get away from the muscle quite well in Vitamin Shop. Yep. Well, what's, what's great about our assortment in Vitamin Shop is it plays to the core customer that is on our site. So what we see um, from our own site and from the consumer data we have, because we don't get that on the retail side, but what we see is the interaction and the play between the two. And so whether we're doing deals on site or whether we're um, engaging in our community, our direct community that we have, which is 300,000 plus, we know they actively shop Vitamin Shop or D2C. They don't go anywhere else. And so like... That's what's so cool about the assortment, because if you look at the way our site is built, it's basically built to fit vitamin shop. And that's super unique. And no matter what we do with another retailer, it, it will remain the only retailer that has that assortment. So that's tied to our most loyal customer. And one of the things we're super proud of is our LTV. We talked about it in the thing. We, we have a top 5% LTV in the entire sports nutrition space. And so hanging on to that and making sure that vitamin shop takes that you know, assortment hopefully grows it a little bit further. We add some some flair on top. Like it, it's it's a great opportunity for our brand, but also on the retail side to bring more customers in. Absolutely, Muriel said something this morning in her opening 
uh, address that she said it was kind of like um, the, the vitamin shop interests and trends mimic overall uh, uh, buying patterns for Americans. You know, it's like a very like uh, diverse, uh, I don't want to say average, yeah. but you don't understand what I'm saying. It's, it's not hyper-specific to sports nutrition. That makes no. it a very interesting case study. Yeah, I mean, our, you know, we've gotten over the last couple of years, I think, especially with some of the influx of some of the great brands that have come in, um, we've gotten a little bit younger. Um, our, but our customer tends to be, you know, maybe a little bit older than some of our, our competitors, um, and maybe a little bit more um, aware of ingredients and quality and things like that. But when you look at it, like we're we have a very broad base of customers. Um, it can be a challenge. That can be a challenge sometimes for our marketing too, right? Because um, we're trying to be. I guess you could say like democratic in how we, we communicate because you don't want to alienate somebody who could care less about zinc. Yeah. Um, just cares about like the, the native, the ghost launch that's coming out, whatever it is. Right. Um, so you have to kind of be aware of like speaking to your customer, but we have like, that's why we're like, we're solutions for everybody. Right. it's like, we have, and I love to be in the stores. I'm always in the stores and it's like, it's funny because I've spent all my time talking to guys like Aaron, right? And, and people that are, you know, pitching brands or are working with them, but then to see the actual customers coming in and that's what's real and, and it's, there's no one defined customer. Like we see so many different types of customers coming in and sometimes you may look at the customer and be like, all right, he's gonna go for a protein or she's gonna go for protein and you're wrong. Like you're not even close, right? Um, which I think is great because it just, it just shows that we have a, a broad base of options for customers. So uh, one thing I learned uh, earlier this year, you brought up the Ghost launch. You guys had a really great launch where you launched their can for the Straw Bango Margarita. Was that you guys have a refrigerator in every single store in America? Yes. Um, and that that has driven a lot of on the go for you guys because yes. you always have cold cans for everyone. But I also noticed, uh, at least at, at my local store, you have like two aisles of bars and snacks, functional mm -hmm. foods, um, fit butters, nuts, and more, all sorts of different functional foods. Yeah. Has that grown for you guys over the last couple of years? Or has that been a focus for you? It's been a focus. Um, I'd say it's been a focus because um, we've had some brands that, you know, have gone and, and you know, and they, they go big in mass and right and they get a lot of distribution and it can it can impact your business, but it creates opportunity for new brands. So we've really been trying to focus. It's not just about protein bars, but it's about snacks and functional foods. Um, you look at some of the things like, you know, we've had outright bars and we've had we you know we we've just launched uh, first form um, and a lot of these really cool bars and snacks and we're trying to create that that snacking category i think we have one of the best on the go assortments i'd say bar none and drinks i we crush it like yeah. we have like we have one of the best assortments for drinks and it's not just me saying i've, I've heard it um multiple times and i'm proud of it um, but i do think that there's continued opportunity to grow and build that business of the functional foods we're also looking into functional beverages, right? And it's like, I think one of the questions that was that came up today in the summit was, are um, energy drinks gonna replace pre-workouts? And I'm like, no, it's not, because it, that energy drink is like an anytime occasion drink. Now, some people may grab it and go to the gym, but it doesn't have the same ingredients. It doesn't, it's not giving you what you actually need for a pre-workout. Um, so I think that's why people are, you know, they're working with different sizes of energy drinks, different content of caffeine, more use cases. Um, you know, Dom and those guys did a phenomenal job with Bum Energy, right? I, 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 Soda can. Yeah, you can drink multiple of those a day, right? Yeah. And it's like, and you know, so those are more functional beverages. Um, we're looking into other things like um, like non-alcoholic beverages. We think is a you know it's a trend that has been growing. Mm -hmm. You're seeing a lot of it, it, you know, out there. People that are like looking for maybe more adaptogens and, and things like that versus having alcohol. Um, so we're we're expanding into that a little bit. You guys use uh, you you introduced me to space tea. 
which yes. was just awesome. Yes. Just amazing. So that would be an example of a function. Functional. So a functional beverage for you would be something that doesn't necessarily contain caffeine. Like, does energy drink fit into functional beverage? I think it can. It's it, it's really how you define it, right? I don't think there's any one hard rule for it. I think if you're, you're talking 200, 250 milligrams of caffeine, I mean, I don't know if that's so much a functional, but I think something that's maybe got 100 grams, it, it, it all depends on what that person's using it for. But something like Space Tea would definitely fall into that category. Okay. Um, and there's some other brands that we're working on. There's some things coming. We're, we're testing some things too. And that's also part of like the, going back to the original question, it's like a merchant, like, you know, I've got great buyers and they're looking at the space and they're saying, okay, we're going to shrink this space based on the customer and we're going to grow this space. Do you guys test certain markets? Like, do you have like uh like your, I know your East Rutherford store was a flagship store for a long time. Like, do you put ever put things just in like a couple stores to see how they do? We do. We have um, we have a group of test stores cool. that we'll utilize, um, and it's like we have a little bit of a, like you have to add a little bit of science to that. So we have a little a program where we have um, it's about twenty five stores based on size and format and volumes that that allows us to get a good accurate representation. Like if you test something in like all your best stores. It's going to skew the results a little bit, right? So um, we try to be as you know as as you know median as possible in terms of, of choosing that. Um, but testing is a big part of it. Um, you know, it's, I think it's important. So uh, I have to ask the question on energy drinks because we've talked a lot of energy drinks recently over the last like six or I feel like two years since 2020. But um, we've heard from you know distributors or different places that uh, you know it's it's oversaturated or they they wish there would be less. Do you? Give me your like current status on energy drinks. How do you feel about them as a whole? Do you, are you are you uh, are you welcoming more, or would you wish that would uh, kind of fall back? How do you feel about it? Um, no, I, I definitely I'm like put on a gas go. Um, I don't think I don't think we want to pull back on it, but I think it's going to be like cream rises to the top, right? So you're going to continue to raise the hurdles that you have to be part of the of the business. They're going to continue to rise by bringing in more products. Our cooler space is not infinite. Right. So at a certain point, it's like as new products come in, if we feel strongly about those, we'll have to edit some of the some of the other items that aren't performing to that level. But I think that's a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I hear a lot of it about about saturation. I hear I hear the same thing from, you know, collaborations and things like that. Um, but again, I think it's like you're we're letting the customer tell us what they want. Right? Yeah. I, I, I guess like the way that I've always looked at it is like there can't be an infinite amount of energy drinks, but there can be, like we were saying, functional beverages that match the brand. Mm -hmm. Like, as much as I love Caged, I don't want to see a carbonated energy drink from you guys. Like, that just, to me, doesn't feel like it meets your pillars of who you are. But some version of a functional beverage which stands up to your brand might be super on brand there. I, I, that's kind of how I have looked at the cans a lot recently. Well, in my take on beverage just in general is that, you know, it's a productivity game. So as you look at, to your point, um, I think of it almost like a merchant, even though I'm not a merchant. Like if you have infinite, you, I mean, you don't have infinite space, but if you have a finite amount of space, if a new brand's coming in, something has to go or it has to be better than to go or you're going to test it with like off-shelf or ambient placement mm -hmm. or something to that nature to see if it will like really take off. Ambient's challenging when you're sell when you're trying to drive trial ambient. But um, to your point, I think the trend or you know where it's going is on that functional side. I think you can look at adaptogens. I think you can look at recovery in multiple formats. I think you can look at weight loss in multiple formats now too. I think that you know Celsius has done a fantastic job of opening up that total TAM 
And now you've got, you know, brands like OxyShred that are performing well. You've got a few others like, um, you know, C4 Smart Energy that has a little bit of a weight loss component to it. There's something there, too, that's growing. So it's like, you know, there's a couple different, like, key benefits that your standard energy drink wouldn't necessarily, um, you know, nail in that same sense. Um, but as you categorize it, it'll, it'll be interesting because right now you look at, like, syndicated data and it's like energy drink, performance energy. Or you can look at it as legacy and emerging, right? I think functional is actually that next big wave, and that's that's outside of hydration. I think hydration is, you know, uh, separate of that. I think Prime is in a category on its own there. Yeah. Now, will other brands, you know, potentially emerge there? Absolutely. You're going to see other brands, uh, you know, try to, you know, latch on to the hydration wave. I think those that have, you know, unique partnerships will probably be the ones that actually rise there, like something that's a little bit different than what you're seeing with Logan Paul and KSI and all that. Um, but at the same time, I mean, there's um, there's no sign of the like the beverage space slowing down. No, and it's it's probably the most competitive of anyone because again, the cooler space is limited, right? Um, we could expand the shelves for on the go, but at the end of the day, people come in, they want a cold drink, so you you have it's it's hyper competitive and. Not every brand that has really a really good branding is right for our energy drinks, mm-hmm. um, and we've seen that too, right? I think it's like you have to you have to really understand what your go to market strategy is going to be, and that in that case, it's it's really all also about distribution, right? It's like yeah. getting that getting that can into as many places as possible to make them aware of the brand. I think Ghost is a great example of that, right? It's like I see Ghost. And, you know, it's it's everywhere now. And it's like, I, I've even said at times, like I think I said to Dan, like I see somebody come out of the store and I'm like, they have no idea that Ghost even has a pre-workout or a powder. Like they're, you're gonna like that's not their deal, but they just see that it's like, it's an innovative, disruptive product that's doing really well, so. Does the weight of these things, like literally the weight of those those cases, does that play into it's the a success? nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can imagine. I mean, I, that's why direct-to-consumer cans, is, that's not a thing, Yeah. right? Is that something that you deal with? Because you guys have distribution centers that you fulfill yeah. from. Yeah, I mean, we have to. It, it's all factored in. It's part, and that's that goes back to you know being part of it, being a merchant is understanding. Um, it's your mix too, right? It's like we're going to be, we're going to continue to grow that energy drink business, so we're going to continue to grow a lot of our businesses. But you also have to kind of be aware of like the profit that you can make. But again, it's like you you have to continue to pivot to what the customer is asking for. So energy drinks are. Um, they take up a ton of space. They're expensive to ship. Um, there's, you know, there's inherent problems and challenges with all of that. But at the end of the day, that's that's what the customer's looking for. So we're going to continue to find ways to make it happen. Yeah. Last week, we I think we also like the the prime thing with Chuck Schumer calling the FDA to, to bring it up. But I, I, one thing that I th- think he said very well was that like there's always like that that toy or status symbol of the summer for. Yeah. Uh, People, probably underage people, is what he was speaking to. But um, it's more than like an energy drink or a hydration drink. I actually often completely forget that there is any function to the prime beverages other than people wanting to have them in their hands. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm not like the the formula guy and the expert on the products. I can just tell you, it's like the demand for that is like astronomical, and it's definitely it's it's really transcended the category. It's not so much about that. It's a hydration drink. I think it's a I think it's good hydration drink um but yeah to your point it's like kids just want to have this in in their hands um and it's you know i always know like when it's like it gets to the point where it's like i have family members and you know my wife asking about something and she's she doesn't really follow the space um and when it get, it gets to that point i'm like yeah it's mainstream when i'm yeah. seeing it on you know the nightly news i'm like okay every, yeah i was saying every kid at the ballpark i coach little league baseball yeah. 10 you 8 you every kid at the ballpark 
has Prime in their hand versus a Gatorade or Powerade or whatever else they were drinking before. It's, it's yeah. nuts. I mean, that's what I said before is I think, you know, what, what Congo Brands has done and, and Logan and KSI, I mean, they've, they've created a, a market and a demand for something that's like astronomical. Like it's like a reseller market on, yeah. on Prime. It's, it yeah. was pretty crazy. Have you guys had to deal at all with like the, the marketing to kids in location of that? Like, like what, do you sell energy drinks to people under 18? Is that a thing or? Um, no, I mean, we don't like, it's like it, the products say 18 plus, we don't, we don't ID, but it's like, it's not required. Okay. Um, you know, and I think it's in my mind, it's, I think that the customer, the consumer, and in this case, the parent sh- is, it, there's a responsibility. And I do think, I, you know, without getting too much into the whole thing with, with prime and energy is I think there's, there needs to be a responsibility on the side of the consumer to understand what they're purchasing and what they're putting into their body. Absolutely. Um, and I think, I think everything that prime has done to my knowledge has been fully compliant. And I, I, they have two different products. They have an energy drink. They have a hydration drink. Yeah. So I, I'm absolutely there with you. I mean, it's a very safe product. I, th- I think we all agree, like uh, 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 all things supplements, you know, like in the wrong hands can be unhealthy, but, yeah. you know, completely done compliantly. Like, you know, do I want pre-caged elite to be used by kids? Probably not. It's a lot of caffeine, but, you know, it comes down to responsibility of parents. So yeah. uh, it, it's a tough spot in retail because like, do you want your health enthusiasts to be carting people? Not, it's not really a part of the, uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's I not just don't think it's something that's like scalable. I mean, it's not, this isn't my area. So it's like, sure. it's hard for me to, to, to really expand out too much. It just seems like it would be really challenging, not just for, for vitamin shop, but for any retailer absolutely uh, to, to do that. But at the end of the day, I mean, the product is, it's not intended for people under 18. Yeah. Um, the energy drink, I mean, the, the, the RT, the, the hydration drink is, is completely fine. Absolutely. Right? I mean, have at it, go nuts. So. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so th- that's pretty much all I needed to get into. I mean, I, I'd love to take this anywhere you guys else want to talk about in terms of cage and, and vitamin shop, but and, did you guys know each other before caged? I should ask. We did. Yeah. <laughs> we worked together for some years when you were in Yeah. So Jack and I, I mean, Jack, Jack's been in Vitamin Shop now for a couple of years, but um, I've been working with Vitamin Shop directly for about eight years now because my career, you know, uh, before this was with, was with Nutribolt and uh, running C4 and Extend and the C4 energy business uh, with a team there. And so for many years, that was, um, that, that was the brand that uh, I came and represented. We did a great job growing that brand over time. I think we had a lot of successful launches. We had a lot of learnings along the way too. And you know, nine months ago when I started with Cage, actually Jack was the first guy I called. And I remember I had to, uh, I had to kind of vet this brand out a little bit. So this is like, this is actually a little insider information. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows. I, I called Jack and I was like, hey, considering something, I need to understand this brand. And he gave me all, all the good and all the bad. And uh, all of that was true and more in some cases, you know, but again, uh, a lot of what Jack had said in that initial call was like, help them, you know, operationalize the business, get them retail ready because it's a great brand. And, you know, many brands that are in retail that go through a rebrand, it is a slow, painful death for them. Yeah. It's like the kiss of death, right? And I think one of the things that Cage did that's different than any other brand I've seen is they actually came out of that on top. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when you hear uh, rebrand a lot of times, it's like it's a, you've got alarm bells going off, like danger, danger. Um, but, I mean, you Cage did it in, for the right reasons, and I think they executed it well, and they came out of the other side stronger. So um, kudos to them because it's that's a tough that's a tough thing to pull off, yeah. especially with a you know uh, seven hundred stores where you have yeah. to distribute to all of them and they all have the old brand and now you're trying to bring yeah. in the new. It could be a headache, right? 
Um, let me. So this could be a fun exercise. If you <laughs> let me know if you don't want to do it, but out of out of curiosity, um, when you get feedback on Cage, what are some things that Cage could do better in Vitamin Shop that you guys are working together on improving? Like what what are maybe some? Oh, this is a good one, Jack. Let's start with you on this one. I I'm, I, I want to hear his feedback. Uh, like because <laughs> I, I, I know that uh, Aaron wants to improve everywhere. I'd, I'd be curious. Yeah. Like what are some things that you guys are going to be working on that that could be done better for optimization? Well. I think you know from my standpoint in, in working with with Caged is it's it's an it's an established brand right it's on it's a brand that's been in the market for a while and now it's gone through this rebrand it's doing really well but it's like you have to continue to find ways to drive excitement and differentiation and I think one of my challenges to to Aaron is going to be is like what are you going to do to help you know to keep Vitamin Shop at the forefront of innovation right in terms of exclusives and first to markets and collaborations um and you know and understanding that it's you know like those those drive footfalls they drive traffic right so it's like that's that's critically important to me the feedback that we get from the customers is is i mean it's i mean everybody will have there's certain things like it's like your pricing and everyone's price sensitive now it's just that that's just the environment we're in but um i think the feedback from we get from the customers is fantastic it's just i i want more of it like I, I want, you know, and obviously I want to be able to be like on day one, I want a customer to be like, oh, that is launching in cage, cage launched it. I know it's a vitamin shop and going there on day one. Like that's what we're trying to get to mm-hmm. is kind of creating that environment. So that would be my, my main challenge to him. And so he's got a great brand, great quality. Um, and it's like, we're just like, how do we partner with you? And, and that's something that we also know we, as a partner, we have to do a good job of showcasing that brand. Right, and, and making sure that it's like we have it out front and we're, and we're giving it the attention it deserves um, in, for based on its, its status. Um, so I think that's, that's my big challenge and that's my big focus. So then on, on our end, what we have to do better, I think, is uh, marketing to the retailer specific when we are launching exclusive products. So like we look at um, one of the KPIs we set up when I came in was like, what's our percent of sale to vitamin shop that's exclusive? And that wasn't actually a KPI we actually tracked. And so like we've put that tracker in place. For example, like this year, we're going to launch eight exclusive SKUs. Um, first two are mindset. And then we've got flavor iterations. So flavor expansions and hydrocharge, flavor expansions and clean burn, et cetera. That's just on the core based business. Um, we also did Caribbean Sunrise uh, Pre-Caged Elite, which was actually voted by health enthusiasts at the PEC which I thought was super cool. But we, what I would say is like from the marketing side, we really didn't highlight that in an effective manner. Um, thankfully, Caribbean Sunrise is our number one selling flavor and our number one selling item in total at Vitamin Shop. So that's awesome. Um, we've learned though that if we're going to have a system where health enthusiasts pick and choose, we should probably market that more effectively. Like we should yeah. do a lot more behind it. And so, you know, we talked about like uh, getting our, our business retail ready. Well, that goes for operations, but also goes for marketing. Like we weren't, we weren't operating under an omni-channel marketing budget. We were operating under a digital marketing budget. So everything we did was to serve the brand on our site, which we, we did see driving traffic and trial at store, but I would tell you, we can amplify that in a lot of, a lot of really cool ways. And that's what we're going to be talking about a lot tomorrow too, is like how we really dial that investment up so that whether it's a core item or an exclusive item, they're getting like real paid media behind it and new partnerships and new voices behind the brand that like make people want to come in. Like our goal is that health enthusiasts can sit behind the counter and have people come in and say, Hey, so-and-so's podcast said it's here and I'm coming for it. And it's only yeah. at Vitamin Shop. Like that, that's the dream to me. And that was the dream from like day one when I stepped in, I think we're at that like precipice where we're about to open that up. And like, that's going to be a pretty cool moment. Cool. That that's all, that's all that I could have asked for. That was, that was a great answer. Great. Um, 
I, I guess my question for you guys is, is how do you drive traffic to individual stores? Is it just by uh, like actually establishing exclusives and you th and by putting out this media for those people like, like Huberman or Ferris that you're talking about, they actually yeah. will be able to name those stores to, for you to go into? So the way we would do it from like a spend perspective is like we, you'd have your, you know, you'd have your, your like, let's call it an influencer, your educator. We think of them as educators because we're an educational platform. But that's more of a national push. Like to me, like that's a messaging vitamin shops nationwide, right? Because most of our SKUs are, are nationwide. Mm -hmm. like, like we're not fully distributed on all SKUs, pretty but, close. But yeah. we're pretty close, yeah. right? Um, Six fifty is like our lowest distro, so like most SKUs are seven plus. Okay. Um, so what we would then do is geotarget, geofence, and put paid media behind that. And then what we're doing now as a bolt-on that we've never done is we have a regional podcast network that is now regional specific, and they will actually be able to localize that messaging, which I think is unique. But even the national messaging, like that's all new stuff. Like these are all partnerships that have been developing for the nine months that I've been here. So like a lot of that, um, a, a lot of those mechanisms, is it, it's a new muscle for us as a business. But it is the way that we're thinking about uh, media and brand and omni-channel. So those are all the go-forward ways in which we would apply those spends outside of like making sure that our shopper executions are fantastic. Like one of the things that Vitamin Shop does really well is they enable brands to develop their own like floor shipper programs or point of purchases, whatever. But even beyond that, like um, we've kind of gone to more of a clean format now where the merchandising team is leveraging uh, the innovation tables. They've got these really beautifully designed like tables and stack outs where all we have to do is add custom signage and work together with our creative teams. And those things look killer in store. And we're seeing the majority of our lifts from that off shelf, from that placement. And so like that's another area where it's like when we work with the merchandising team, we are willing to put spend against that every month if we can get it. The problem is it's incredibly valuable real estate, so every right. brand is fighting for it. But you know, our, 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 you know, our name is always in that hat um, to get I'd, that. I'd love to see you guys do more with those health enthusiasts. So you brought up the Caribbean Sunrise. Um, Vitamin shops and uh, health enthusiasts, uh, there's like such little turnover. I, I know managers that have been there for years yeah. and years and years. I mean, uh, in retail, that's kind of unheard of. Um, at, uh, we're not talking about like large uh, department stores or anything. We're talking about like an individual location. They've been around a long time and they're very passionate. So to get them excited about something, to get them to vote for something is, is quite cool. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's actually um, something that we're really putting a, a renewed focus on is um, number one is like since COVID, we used to always be known for you'd come in, you can come into the stores at any given time and there was always some samples or some things to try. COVID kind of shut that down. But we're past it now, right? So I think we're looking to kind of reboot it. And at least some of the things we're going to talk to, to you guys about, too, is how do we get back to doing more of, like, sampling in the stores? Um, and then also just giving – we want to start to give our – some of our stores or all of our stores, like, the, the flexibility to do some more things, like events and demo days, um, you know, sending them, you know, the – some swag, some T-shirts and things like that to get them excited about the brand. Like we're gonna, we're probably gonna loosen up the, loosen it up a little bit, okay. and give our stores a little bit more flexibility and creativity to do things to kind of create that, you know, that micro kind of influence within their yeah. region. And my goal is, I, I want to get to the point where it's like, you're thinking about what to do on a, a Friday or Saturday, and you're like, you know, you're gonna need to get product. You're like, well, I'm gonna up, go over to the vitamin shop because I know they got cool stuff going on. There's probably some things I haven't seen yet. I want to try. I really want to create that environment. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things. I mean, and, you know, we'll be talking to to you and all of our key brands about that. You've done a really great job with the Dollar Energy Drink weekends. Yeah. Like every single one of our viewers talks about that. I mean, like 
they we, know, we see it on social. Yeah, we know. Yeah. It's so funny because like, I'm, I'm not going to mention any locations, but like our viewers know like which locations will keep them to a limit. And what like it's yeah. so <laughs> funny to me because like they, they'll go stock up on that. I mean, yeah. I, like you know, energy drinks are they're not cheap for per use, right? It's no. and, and you're convincing buyers to to give you their money that they've worked mm-hmm. very hard for. Um, and so you've kind of just made this fun. Like I'm going to go check out what the sale yeah. is this weekend. Summer sips right now, um, you know, all summer we have dollar drink deals happening basically all the way through July and August, like every weekend something's going on. And we, at the end of the day, it's like, it's a little bit also of like, that's a little bit of the sampling program, right? Because I think some of our our, our partners who understand it and want to lean in realize that, Hey, it's, that's basically, I'm basically doing a sampling, right? And it's like the customer's paying a a dollar for it and, you know, we're, we're funding it. I'm funding some of it. Um, but it's, it does, it creates a lot of excitement. Um, you know, people like that's sometimes we joke and like, we're like, can you guys comment on something else on our social besides <laughs> when the next dollar drink is going to come? Right. I gotta get, I gotta get ghost to do one soon because we're hearing about that one all the time. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, any closing thoughts? I, I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking everything. No, I mean, Ben, obviously I really appreciated this. And I think it was a great day with the summit and, um, I, I love getting a chance to kind of let you see a little bit of kind of behind the scenes of what's going on. Um, at the vitamin shop. So no, I, I appreciate this. We're super excited about this. I, I, I definitely can tell you that like our, our consumers vibe so well with what you guys put out. Um, we're really excited to see you guys. Uh, not that you weren't doing anything for the last, you know, three years, but like what you're, you're picking up right now, it seems like you're hitting an extra gear. And we're pushing hard. We're pushing hard. Awesome. So sure. we'll, I, I'm sure people will see in the future after like, you know, what, what goes on since yeah. this day. But uh, congratulations on the Wellness Summit. I, sh- I should definitely say like that was absolutely one of the coolest events in this Thank industry. You. Awesome. Um, on, on the backs of you guys doing the Wellness Trends, maybe two weeks ago, I think it yeah. was. Um, it's really cool to just see Vitamin Shop kind of taking the reins and uh, leading in sharing and dictating what, what these trends are. Um, you guys are really becoming a, a force of, of creation. It's not always content, but you're sharing. No, it's, we're trying to add value to the to the, the industry and to our customers, however awesome. we can. Um, I, do, I know you're not huge on Instagram, but you, uh, I guess <laughs> LinkedIn might be a good spot if people are LinkedIn, interested. LinkedIn, yeah, um, I, yeah, I'm not like... You know me. Like I'm you, envious. You, you, said, you sent me the, the DM and I didn't respond for like two weeks because I just didn't check it. So no, I'm not a, I'm not a big, uh, I, I like, I'm on it all the time, but I'm just, I'm not super interactive. But yeah, LinkedIn. Um, awesome. You know, for anything, cool. So. All right. Every, everyone knows Aaron at this yeah. point. Every social platform, find me. I got to take <laughs> lessons from you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys for joining right. us. Thank Thanks, you. Guys.